Our scripture passage this morning is Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will and he who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Because of the death and the resurrection, the ascension of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no guilt in life. There is no fear in death. We can claim of our entire lives, Jesus commands our destiny. We're secure in you. The son declares that all that you've given him will come to him and he will raise them up on the last day. It's a guarantee. No power of hell, no scheme of man could ever pluck us from your hand. Father, would these rock-solid truths move us to act, to risk, to sacrifice our lives for the sake of Jesus being lifted up? Thank you that that's happening all across this congregation. I think of the vessels, thankful for their self-sacrifices. Tomorrow they receive their first foster assignment. I pray that tomorrow would be a wonderful, wonderful day. Give them grace in the transition, and we pray for these children that they would hear the gospel, I know they will, and that your spirit would accompany it with power. Raise up others to foster the least of these. Raise up missionaries, even this morning. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but your word is going to endure forever. And we ask these things. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, our King, who lives and reigns with you and the Spirit, everyone God, amen. The last five weeks, if you haven't been with us, we've been considering a series on the church. Membership matters, why it matters, what are the matters of membership. And we've seen from Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 that the local church is central. We've seen that God's plan is to unite all things in Christ. That's what he's doing in world history. And he starts with a church unified around Christ that would display his glory and his power and his wisdom. The global purpose of God is the glad praise of his son and the display of his glory through the church among the peoples of the world. The end goal of a healthy church is what, really what we've been talking about, building a healthy church, building a strong church. The end goal of a healthy church is not a holy huddle, but a holy headquarters. The end goal of a healthy church is more healthy churches. We've been talking a lot about church structure. It's important. The Bible talks a lot about it. Structure serves the mission. Rightly ordered churches are the most effective at promoting and propagating the gospel. 
So I want us this morning to consider that. I want us to consider the mission of the church, the Great Commission, but I want to do that by thinking about God's heart for the nations. And a healthy church shares God's heart. Our God is a missionary God, and we're to be a missional church. That word missional, it's just the adjectival form of the noun missionary, to be on mission. Missional is simply joining God on his mission. And so our text this morning is the whole Bible. We're going to start in Genesis And I'm going to read most of it, but I'm going to have you turn to Genesis, Psalms, Isaiah, and Acts to give you a head start. Go ahead and open to the table of contents. Genesis, Psalms, Isaiah, and Acts. And I really just want to douse you with Scripture this morning. The Bible calls us to devote ourselves to the public reading of Scripture. And so that's this sermon will be a little bit different. We're going to read a lot of Bible. And by the way, if you're a note taker, just take a deep breath, relax. We post the sermon manuscripts online, and so they'll all be there. Don't worry about catching everything. Just hear the word this morning. So let's start at the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, first page of your Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. God creates the world, then he creates people. And here's the job description of mankind. Here's the first commands. Genesis 1.28, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Fundamental calling right here of mankind is to bring the rule of God to bear on all the earth. It's to rule for him. It's to represent him. It's to have dominion. And notice it's to have babies. Make babies, make culture, be fruitful, multiply, and train them up so that they might too rule on God's behalf and bring God's rule to bear and represent him. Disciple your kids. We had a conference this weekend called the Abilene Theology Conference, and a brother named Max Stiles was here, and he shared The most effective, this is a quote from a study by Barna, the most effective evangelists in the world are, I wonder how you would fill in the blank, moms, moms. So we train them up in the fear and admission of the Lord, and we're to have dominion, expand God's rule, having babies that would do the same, raising them up, so that Eden there in the beginning would ultimately be expanded to the whole world. That was the original intention, to widen the boundaries of that special place where God dwelled, the garden, into the outer spaces, spreading his glory everywhere. We call it often the cultural mandate, but you can see that really it's the Great Commission in seed form. If you know the story of the Bible, we have the fall in chapter 3 and more sin in those chapters and God judges the world with the flood and calls out Noah as a new Adam and tells him the same thing, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, confuses their languages, scatters the nations, and then we turn to chapter 12 of Genesis. Jeannie read for us, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. How's God going to fix what Adam blew? He's going to call out this pagan named Abram, and he's going to make some of the grandest promises in the whole Bible. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, make your name great so that you will be a blessing. It's actually a command there, be a blessing. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you... All the families of the earth 
shall be blessed. Out of all nations, God chose one and he formed them in order to bless all nations. The command to be fruitful is now turned into a promise. You will be fruitful because I'm going to do it. And there's two goals here, to form Abram into a great nation and to bless all nations through that nation. Abraham and his family were first to be the recipient of blessing and then the mediator of blessing. Blessed in order to be a blessing. Blessed in order to bless the whole world. Flip over a couple chapters to Genesis 18. Genesis 18, verse 18. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great nation and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. In the original, there's this little phrase, all the nations. It's panta for all, ta the ethne, nations. I almost titled the sermon panta ta ethne, but I figured that might not land on most of you, but I want to point it out as we're going to see it regularly. What's the plan here? To form a people, but are the people going to be an end in themselves so they can have a little holy huddle? No, it's a holy headquarters. They're blessed in order to bless Pontata Ethne, all the nations. Flip over to chapter 22 of Genesis, verse 17. Promise reiterated. Abraham's son, Isaac, verse 17, I will surely bless you and I'll multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, as the sand that's on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall, pontata ethne, all the nations of the earth be blessed. Flip over to chapter 26, verse 3. Genesis 26, 3. Sojourn in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you for to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, Genesis 12, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and I will give to your offspring all these lands and in your offspring shall, pontata ethne, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Flip over to chapter 28, verse 3. Well, I love the sound of these pages. 28.3, God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Look at chapter 28, verse 14. Your offspring, so we have Abraham to Isaac, Jacob. Now, Jacob, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Out of all nations, he chose one nation to bless all nations. Flip to the very end of Genesis chapter 49. easier to flip pages than turn in a device, isn't it? It can be quicker with the paper. Notice this promise goes from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then it's narrowed down here to Judah. Genesis 49, verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. 
The point of the redemption and the formation of Israel, the people of God, was the nations. God's plan all along was to save a people and use that people to save the rest of his people. We have always been from the very beginning a so that people, blessed so that we will bless others. Blessed, not in order to manage our own blessings, but to extend the blessings to the world. What about the Exodus? We're pretty close. Go ahead and flip. It's the very next book. Go to Exodus chapter 9. Why did God free his people from Egypt? What was God's motive? What was God's heart? Exodus 9, 16. But for this purpose, ding, 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 here we go. I have raised you up, Pharaoh, to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Joshua tells us why for the Exodus, we won't turn there, but he says, so that, here's why, why the Exodus? So that all the peoples of the earth, pontata ethne, may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. God wants his glory to be known everywhere. What about the forming of the nation of Israel? So he promised Abraham, I'm going to make a nation out of you. And surprise, surprise, he makes good on that promise. Well, what then of that nation? Well, keep looking at Exodus, flip over to chapter 19. Verse 4, Exodus 19, 4, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, ponta, ta, ethne. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The whole nation was to be obedient, and they would become a kingdom of priests. What do priests do? Priests are mediators. They go between God and the people. The whole nation was to be that way if they were to be obedient. They were to be go-betweeners. They were to be priests, and their parish was the world's. And they were to draw the nations in. He forms the nation of Israel, and then he gives them a law to live by. Why does he give them the law? Deuteronomy 4 and 5 says that the statutes were given so that all peoples, ponta, ta, ethne, would see their wisdom and say, what a great nation this is. The very giving of the law was missional. Moving down the storyline, Solomon prays and dedicates the temple. And what does he pray in order? He's building this thing in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people Israel. Remember that story where David and Goliath, what was the purpose of that whole deal? It's a really cool story. Kids love it, boys in particular, but God has another motive. That all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. What about the Psalms? They're filled with God's heart for the nations. Turn over there with me. It's sort of in the middle of your Bible. If you're new to the Bible, let's go to Psalm chapter 2. It's big, so it's easier to find. Psalm 2, 7. Psalm 2, 7. About the coming king, the Messiah, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth 
your possession. What's the end game for this king? Is it just to rule one nation? No. All nations will be in his inheritance. Flip over to Psalm chapter 22. It's the psalm Jesus quoted while he was on the cross. But let's look at the end. We often stop reading there, but let's look at Psalm 22, verse 27. Twenty-two, twenty-seven. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. God promised that to Abraham. God's going to make good on it. Flip over to Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Make his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Flip over to Psalm chapter 72. Another psalm we call a messianic psalm, a royal psalm, a psalm about the son of David, a psalm about the king. Is he going to rule over one nation? Psalm 72, verse 8. May this king, may he have dominion from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. And then alluding, I think, to that verse we just read in Genesis 49 about the obedience of the peoples coming to the king in the line of Judah. Verse 9, may desert tribes bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. Flip over to Psalm 86, verse 9. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Look at Psalm 87, verse 1. On the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God. Among those who know me, I mention Rahab. You know what Rahab is? That's Egypt. Remember the history of Israel? It was less than peaceful between Egypt and Israel. And look who's going to be here registered in this city. Rahab and Babylon. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Cush. This one was born there, they say. 
And of Zion it shall be said, this one and that one were born in her. For the most high himself will establish her. The Lord records as he registers the peoples, this one was born there. He has a book and he's registering the nations as he keeps his promise to Abraham. Flip over to Psalm 96. I'm skipping so many. It was so painful this week. You wouldn't believe what I left in the kitchen and didn't bring to the dining table. Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord. What's the heart? What's the aim? What's the motive? All the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name bring an offering and come into his courts worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness tremble before him all the earth say among the nations the Lord reigns yes the world is established it shall never be moved he will judge the peoples with equity let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice let the sea roar and all that fills it let the field exult and everything in it then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord for he comes and he comes to judge the earth. Psalms are filled with God's heart for the nation. What about the prophets? Flip over to Isaiah, another big book to the right of the Psalms, starting in Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah 2 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days, this is Isaiah's future, that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations, Pontita Ethne, shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Flip over to Isaiah chapter 12, verse 4. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Flip to chapter 19, verse 24. One of my favorites. I just would have loved to be here the first time this would have been read, how they would have responded. What is God's plan? It's the same as always been. In that day, 1924, in that day, Israel will be the third with Egypt and Assyria. Come again. The enemies of Israel are going to be ahead of Israel. A blessing in the midst of the earth, whom the Lord of hosts is blessing. Blessed be Egypt, my people. And Assyria, the work of my hands. And Israel, thirdly, my inheritance. 
flip a little ways, Isaiah 49. These songs of the servant about God coming back to restore his people through the servants. Let's look at Isaiah 49, verse 5. Talking about the restoration of his people. And now the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him, for I'm honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, it's too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. If he was only coming after Israel, that's too light. That's not enough. Verse 6 there at the end, I will make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Flip a few pages to Isaiah 56. Verse 6. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these foreigners I will bring to my holy mountain and I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Here it is, Pontita Ethne. What about the prophet Jeremiah? He says this, O Lord, my strength and my stronghold, my refuge in the day of trouble, to you shall the nations come from the ends of the earth and say, our fathers have inherited nothing but lies, worthless things in which there is no profit. Can man make for himself gods? Such are not gods. What about the prophet Zephaniah? He says this, the Lord will be awesome against them for he will famish all the gods of the earth and to him shall bow down each in his place all the lands of the nations. What about the prophet Malachi? For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations and in every place incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Well, how did they do? How did the nation of Israel do? I mean, it's all very clear right here, isn't it? Were they obedient? Did they become a kingdom of priests? Were they a light to the nations? Well, no, they ended up becoming like the nations, didn't they? Really, their mindset was embodied and summed up really well in the prophet Jonah. Worst missionary to ever live. Remember the story of Jonah. It's called by God to go preach to the pagans, preach to Nineveh. And Jonah says, I know who you are, God. I know you're merciful. I know you love all nations. So you're going to forgive them. So I don't want anything to do with it. I'm interested in me, myself, and I, my own people. And so he goes the opposite direction against the call of God. And if you know Jonah, it's really a funny book because everything in the book obeys God except the prophet. The storm obeys. The lots that are cast, they obey. The sailors obey, the fish obeys, Nineveh obeys, the worm obeys at the end of the book. He was ingrown and sadly the Jewish people of Jesus' day had become much like Jonah. 
They, they were managing their blessings. They thought they were blessed in order to be blessed and exclude all the other nations. That was their main problem. So maybe you remember when Jesus first started his ministry in the Gospel of Luke, he goes to his house. He goes to his hometown. And the hometown disadvantage, apparently, Luke chapter 4. And remember what he does? He busts out the Isaiah scroll and he reads from these chapters that we were just looking at, that section of God coming back. And he says, today... This is fulfilled in your hearing. And they like it. They're digging it at first. Like, all right, this sounds good. We need redemption. But he doesn't stop there. He keeps preaching. And he mentions two stories in the Old Testament. Two accounts from the Bible where Jewish people were needy. They were in need. And God showed grace to Gentiles instead. Remember how the people reacted? Tried to throw them off a cliff. That's what Jesus got in trouble about again and again. They had become self-focused, blessed in order to manage our blessing. Holy huddles, inward focus. They were Jonah. That's why Jesus had run-in after run-in with the Jewish leadership. They, like Jonah, thought the story was just God Israel. They didn't read their Bibles. If they had, they'd have known. It was always from the very beginning, God Israel nations. That's what got Jesus in trouble. That's why he goes into the temple and he overturns the tables. And what does he say? He quotes Isaiah that we read. And he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. You've got it twisted. You know, we've got four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And there are only a few events that are found in all four gospels. Feeding of the 5,000, cross and resurrection, and the commissioning out of his people. We talk a lot about the Great Commission, but there are really five great commissions. First is the end of Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. End of Luke's gospel, it's one of my favorites, Luke chapter 24, verse 44, Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. It's incredible. Jesus is saying that the whole Old Testament He mentions the law, prophets, the writings was fundamentally pointing to two realities. Jesus says, me and my mission. The whole Old Testament is messianic, but also missional because it points forward to Jesus, but it points forward to the church's mission to the nations. The end of the gospel of John, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. John loves to refer to Jesus as the sent one. 40 times he calls Jesus the sent one. But here's the 40th right here. It's interesting, right? The sent one sends us. Are you sent? Yeah. Question is not if, but where? As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. You don't have to wait for the liver quiver, it's right here. We're all sent. Matthew 28, most notably, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, 
and make disciples of all nations. Ponta, ta, ethne. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Have this great announcement that Jesus is the undefeatable one. He has all authority. And then the Great Commission. Really a great foundation, the authority of Jesus. Then the Great Commission. Then the great promise. He's going to be with us as we go. What more do we need? Authority and presence. And on that basis, we go and we make disciples. Old Testament scholar says this, the words of Jesus to his disciples here in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the so-called Great Commission could be seen as a Christological mutation of the original Abrahamic commission. Go, be a blessing, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. It all pointed to him. He has all authority. Really, that's what missions is. Missions is the summons of the lordship of Jesus Christ. One author has come up with this mission equation. If there is one Lord to whom all people belong and owe their allegiance, the people of that Lord must promote this reality everywhere. Is that not true? If there's one Lord to whom all people belong and owe their allegiance, then the people of that Lord must be about the business of letting that reality known. Pastor Jack Miller writes this. He says, Jesus here, he's not proposing an elective course of action an option for the evangelistically gifted. He's telling each of us, what is our first duty? It's to disciple all nations. Since the king has spoken, it should be clear that he expects all of us to obey his will without reservations or delay. But it should also be clear that the majority of local American congregations are in practice saying no to his will. They do so by ignoring it. Well, what about the early church? They were a missional church seeking to spread the fame of her missionary God. The global purpose of God is the glad praise of Christ and the display of his glory through the church among all the peoples of the world. Turn over to the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts chapter 1. Acts 1 is the fifth great commission. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts chapter 1 verse 6. When they had come together, they asked him, Lord, when will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They still, haven't, they still haven't got that Jonah out of them quite yet, have they? Verse 7, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, yes, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Flip over to Acts chapter 8, verse 1. So you have the church growing and spreading and persecution by the Jewish people begins. That's what Acts chapter 7 is about. It's Stephen's speech indicting them for not believing the Bible, really. It's just one long sermon on the Old Testament. And how does it end? They stone him. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. It's a bad chapter break. You know, we didn't have chapters in, the, in our Bibles till the 1550s. So read it as just the next verse here. Stephen stoned, Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Saul approved of his execution. Saul, who would become Paul. 
And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of, this sound familiar, Judea and Samaria. Except the apostles. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. The normal Christians get busy. The so-called professionals, the leaders, they stay put. Look at verse 4 of Acts chapter 8. Now, those who were scattered went about. What were they doing? Preaching the word. Look at the next chapter, Acts chapter 9, verse 15. Just to mention this guy here that approved the, the stoning of Stephen, God had a plan for, and the Lord tells Saul, go, for he's about Saul. He's a chosen instrument of mine. What's he going to do? He's going to carry my name before the nations, the Gentiles, and kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Suffering and mission go together in God's wise design. Flip over to Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Now those who were scattered, here we go again. These are these normal Christians. The apostles stayed back because of the persecution that arose over Stephen. They traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. The missions in the New Testament is establishing churches, the planting of churches. Flip over to Acts chapter 13, verse 2. The church continues to grow. The mission continues to spread here in the early church. Verse 2 of Acts 13, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. What's the work? Well, look over at chapter 14, verse 21. And set apart for the work. Acts 14, 21, when they had preached the gospel, here's the work, to that city and had made many disciples... They returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders, remember our week two in this series, for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. That's the work. Strengthen disciple, form churches, raise up leaders, move on. Look at verse 26 of chapter 14. And from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for, here it is, the work that they had fulfilled. We want to be about this work, building healthy, strong churches, raising up leaders, strengthening souls, and starting more strong churches. And again, this is for ordinary believers. Speaking of the book of Acts, Michael Green says this. The gospel spread most of all by the enthusiastic witness of the nameless people. I love that. You notice the verses I read. Some of them, some of them went on. Some of them were scattered. The gospel spread most of all by the enthusiastic witness of the nameless people 
who loved Jesus and could not keep quiet about him. It was a people movement, this early Christianity. That's why it succeeded. It did not depend upon the big names, but on little people who had a big God and were not afraid to put him to the test as they went out in his name. And if this is not a challenge and a rebuke to the modern church, I do not know what is. That's Acts. What about the letters? The Romans, of course. Man, remember Romans? I already miss it. Remember, it's a missionary support letter. Romans 1.5, Paul's calls to bring about the obedience of faith among all the nations. He's trying to get to Spain and he needs support to get there to preach the gospel. And in Romans 1.14, he says, I'm under obligation. I'm indebted to do this. And he, he lays out this gospel, Romans 1, all the way to chapter 11, really. And in chapter 10, verse 14, he says this, after laying out the glorious gospel of grace alone, faith alone, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to preach? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And then he ends the letter in chapter 15 saying, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles, the nations, same word, to obedience. By word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Elycrium, I fulfill the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who've never been told of him will see. And those who have never heard will understand. He begins Romans and he ends Romans with a desire to see the obedience that comes from faith among all the nations. Galatians 3.8, the scripture. Foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel before him to Abram's, Abraham saying, and you shall all the nations be blessed. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, the nations, ethne, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Okay, more could be said. I think the case has been made. How do we respond? Six ways. Number one, learn. How should we all respond to God's heart for the nation? Number one, learn. For one, learn the Bible. Study these passages. Go back and read them and see the connections and look up many of the more that I left in the kitchen. To study the Bible is to study the mission of God and our role in it. Learn about the world. Download an app, Joshua Project. Go to imb.org, International Mission Board. Read missionary biographies. Adoniram Judson or William Carey or Hudson Taylor or Amy Carmichael or Jim Elliott or a thousand lesser known missionaries. Come to our monthly missions meeting. First one is next Sunday, October 3rd, 345. So we have now have evening services every first Sunday of the month. First Sunday of the month, we have evening services in here from five to six where we're going to update 
and we're going to pray and we're going to have a little teaching. This particular Sunday will be Q&A on membership stuff. But right before that, 345, why don't you come? Learn about what God's doing among our partners. First Sunday, 345. Take the Perspectives on World Missions class. Many of you have taken it. We've actually, they're here. They've got a little table set up right around here. They're having a class in January. Great class. There's some, there's some problems in the class. There are times you'll spit out the bones. There's some really good meat, though, in that class. Be stretched. Be a Berean. Go to the Word. You'll learn a ton. It's a tough class. But everyone who's taken it would urge you to take it. If money's an issue, let us know. We'll pay half your way if you'll take the class. Perspectives.org. So, so continue to learn. Number two, send. Send well. Send is mostly praying and giving and, and encouraging. So be good senders. Pray for our partners faithfully. We have them in our membership directly if you're, if you're a member. Listen to 3 John 5 about sending. Beloved, it's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they've gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. This is for all of us. So be good senders. Really easy first step of that is just signing up for their newsletters. Sign up for the newsletters of our partners. They're right here, right here on your way out. Just sign up. You'll begin to receive them, read them, say a quick prayer. This whole thing, read the thing and, and say a prayer. I don't know what we're talking about here. Three minutes and then email them and say, I prayed for that. Hope you're doing well. How are you? Be a good sender. Each of our partners have advocates. Work with their advocates. Send them a care package. Send them some chocolate chip cookies. I don't know. Love them well. A manner worthy of God. Give. Maybe you're like, you know what, I don't, I don't really, I don't have that heart. That's God's heart. I don't share his heart. Well, you need to. But also Jesus gives us a really quick way to do that by giving. He says, where your treasure is, your heart there is also. Where your money is, your heart's going to follow. So if you're like, yeah, I don't have much of a heart for the nation, start giving. Jesus says, you'll gain a heart for the nations. We're really excited about increasing our missions giving next year. So as you give to us, we will steward money well. Give beyond your tithes and offerings, though, to missions. Do you know that American Christians spend more money on dog food every year than missions? Mm. Start praying and planning now on how you can give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. If you're new, we have this offering we, we offer it in December. You can give to it all year long. But Lottie Moon was this awesome missionary to China. And so it's named in her honor. And 100% of that offering goes to the mission field. So come December, maybe now, start planning and praying. How can you give big this year to Lottie Moon? The cause of God is greater than our little earthly comforts. Learn, send, Go. In light of what you've seen here in God's word, what would be the obstacle or fear in you going? Maybe start short term. You just saw we're getting quite aggressive in 2022. You heard the announcement. 
You should have received an email if you're on a newsletter. If you don't get our newsletter, you can sign up on our, on our website that way. And if you're on it, you got, a, you got an email on Thursday with next steps, get into the game. There towards the bottom of it was mission trips. Inquire, learn, email Josh, email anybody, jump on with us. Love to see 40, if we could do more on the field this year. College students, oh man, what a time to give a summer or a semester. You are so freed up to give just a little bit. There's so many options. The IMB has so many options. Hands-on semester, summer sojourner. You're freed up right now in a way that you will never be freed up in the future. You might graduate one semester later. It's worth it. Use your freedom and your mobility to impact the nations. For many of you who need to stay here, be missional here. I mentioned we're all sent as the Father sent me, I send you. So at least for now, you've been sent to Abilene. So be on mission. All of us, as we go, making disciples. All of us are sent. All of us are, Colossians 4, 5, to walk toward the outsiders. So see yourself as sent here as an ambassador for Christ. The gospel came to you because it's on its way to someone else. Be intentional in the small stuff. It really does transform the ordinary when you go on mission. Ordinary trip to the grocery store becomes an adventure. I love this quote on ministry. Major events, major events have a role to play in church life, but the bedrock of gospel ministry is low-key, ordinary, day-to-day work that often goes unseen. Most gospel ministry involves ordinary people doing ordinary things with gospel intentionality. Learn, sin, go, pray. Again, pray for our partners. They need it. It is hard work. Pray for the nations every day in this directory as well, our prayer directory. We have an unreached people group. It's right there for you as you're praying for our members. Pray for an unreached people group. Again, get an app. Use the Joshua Project, Operation Worlds. If you have a family incorporated into family worship, this is what we do every time we have dinner. We finish our meal. We spend a little time in the Word. We sing a song that we're going to sing on Sunday just to get it in our bones and in our, in our heart and our bloodstream. And then we use the Joshua Project and we pray, usually with another 1,000 or 2,000 Christians, praying for a people group. There's a whole page you can learn about them. Teach your kids about the nations and pray that God would continue to save them. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Fifth, welcome. Welcome. God increasingly is bringing the nations here. Learn where. Be hospitable. Befriend refugees. Pursue international students. Six, mobilize. If you're not called to go, you should help others go. We are all mobilizing for something. Many of you are like, you know, Apple mobilizers, Yeti mobilizers. Let's make it the nations that we're mobilizing for. Parents, do you see yourself as a mobilizer? If you're younger and if the Lord wills, one of the steps is to have more kids. (laughs) Let me give you some stats. The unreached are growing at 70,000 a day, 26 million a year. And so areas, countries that are, have been influenced by Christianity, Finland, Switzerland, UK, United States, they average two kids per household. You look at 
Muslim areas, Niger, Afghanistan, Pakistan, nine kids per household, seven kids per household, six kids per household. Muslim populations, they're going to outpace us because they overpopulate us. And when you have kids, mobilize them. Watch the Torchlighter videos. You can find most of those on YouTube for free. Real quick way to just learn about a missionary biography. Over in the Ed Building on the second floor, that little library at the end, we got all kinds, I mean tons, like 50 awesome missionary biographies. Grab one, read it, take it back. You know, American missions in terms of launching missions from America was started by college students. Freshmen, in fact. Five of them. Williams College, 1806. It was known as the Haystack Prayer Meeting. These five kids would get together, they would study the Bible, they would pray for missions to Asia. And one of them was a guy named Samuel Mills. I think we got one of his biographies right over there. Samuel Mills, uh, he ended up forming this, the first missionary fraternity called the Society of Brethren. First Protestant foreign missions organization in America. Got busy as a freshman. You know who would become part of that society? Adoniram Judson. Again, if you don't know, Judson went to Burma, produced the Burmese Bible today. So he goes over there, right? He's the, he's the one Baptist there today. There are 600,000 Baptists, not Christians, Baptists in Mills Group. Mills went on to form the American Board of Commissioners for Foreign Missions, sent out 1,250 missionaries in their first 50 years, unprecedented. At the time, he went on to form the American Bible Society, United Foreign Missionary Society, number of others. You know what lit him up at a very early age? His mama taught him about pioneer missionaries. Parents be mobilizers, mobilizers for the mission of God. Learn, send, go, pray, welcome, mobilize, or disobey. God's given us something grand to give our lives to. Join the mission, share his heart for the nations. Here's where it's all headed. Revelation chapter five, verse nine. Worthy. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Let's pray. Father, we ask that the worthiness of Jesus would compel us to spread his fame and make his glory known. In the strong name of Christ, amen.